And our hewling air is about spawn is sassano Agus fosa reached on Navarin Gahard fin ray Ni wine shinarid lower Bear oldis agus terebra Na isma vicham awahasa Ke Da hewlen eris saliva Unrinken span his sassana Agus fosa reached on Navarin Gahar in rain. Ni winchen ered laweha. Bear oldest agus terebra. Nice mo vi hum mawasa. Welcome to the Kingless Generation, a podcast on the deep past. Welcome to the Kingless Generation, a podcast on the deep history of class struggle, paleo parapolitics, and the demonology of capital. I'm your host, Fergal Schmudlock. Well, it's finally summer vacation over here in Japan, so have some time to really record some episodes. And what better place to do that but within the botanical garden of the University of Tokyo, former botanical garden and herb herb repository, repository of herbal medicines of the Tokugawa shogunate. You can hear that the cicadas are fully active at the moment. The whole forest is just alive with this insect song. Uh, that's a typical kind of nationalist, Nihonjin Ronist. Uh, in a way, Nihonjin Ronism, of course, as we know, is not nationalist so much as American imperialist. Re-Japanizing Japan, creating a nationalism in place of the imperial ideology, right? The, the modern imperialism of the Japanese empire was a prime directive for the post-war American-led order. Right. So, but within that, uh, it's a common, it's a truism that people often cite that there's very little about insect song in Western literature, whatever you want to say, you know, in the Western canon. This is not seen as something beautiful or scenic, but rather as something ominous. Uh, Now, the real good place to connect that to would be colonial literature. Uh, The Portuguese imperial colonial literature of Western Africa would be an excellent example as they were dealing with all kinds of Mande peoples, Congo peoples, uh, kingdoms and queen queendoms in the West of Africa. They were encountering all kinds of new diseases and uh, nutritional issues 
because the Portuguese wouldn't eat certain things that were good for them and so on. And so this mythology grows of the African continent as inherently diseased or disease-causing just in its nature. I have to make sure to hydrate myself. I think I just heard, did I, I just heard this morning, uh, I think maybe seven or eight people have died of heat stroke so far this summer. Maybe, maybe in all of Japan, maybe in Tokyo, I forget. Uh, but people are getting carried away to the hospital left and right. If you watch the news, that's a big focus of the news. Together with your usual, uh, what the fuck, what's his name? Um, the Otani, Otani uh, Kohei, right? Uh, the baseball player for the Angels, right? Over in America. That is news, on the news, that is constantly, every time I happen to catch TV news. I don't have a TV, but sometimes I see it. And uh, his, uh, somebody pointed out to me that his jersey number is 51 because they're getting used to the idea of Japan as the 51st American state. And there's talk, are they really going to annex Japan? Uh, if so, that means we're living in uh, kind of um, Lili Uokalani kind of uh, Kalakaua days in the Kingdom of Hawaii. The final male king was Kalakaua, and he took a desperate trip around the world. First, one of the first places he came was here to Japan to try to build ally, new alliances, uh, including an idea that he had for a, a pan-Asian, pan-Pacific uh, union of sovereigns and peoples, it was called. And he suggested that the Meiji Emperor become the leader of this group. So in a way, he sort of had the original idea for the Japanese Empire already, right? Complete with a, a kind of reactionary uh, kingship model for that, you know. And you can debate how, how reactionary Hawaiian kingship actually was, how uh, exploitative that actually was. I mean, you know, a lot of the literature and stuff and, and people justly have uh, desire to... Well, and there's, there's a whole book of, of contemporary materials called Reclaiming Kalakaua, which is all about... Uh, it, it proves, basically, that at the time he was much beloved by his own people, and there was no... Yeah, he was much beloved by his own people. Now, from a Marxist perspective, does that mean that everything he did was perfect? I'm sure everyone would agree, no, it does not. Uh, and he one of the big things he was doing was like, brokering labor deals, you know, get, getting his people uh, good good jobs, but, you know, that's still wage slavery, right? And he was also trying to get a lot more Japanese laborers to come and work on the white-owned plantations of, like, Dole Pineapple, things like this, uh, sugar cane, right? Time for me to take a drink. I need to be careful of heat stroke, I was just saying, wasn't I? I have a, a copper bottle uh, that I swear by, I think, is this one liter? Maybe it's one liter. And uh, it's made in India by some, some guys that uh, do a great job. I will put their Gmail in the uh, show notes, how about, or maybe, maybe just the Discord, I don't know. Uh, this podcast 
thank you for, for being a subscriber. I think this is going to be a premium episode. So uh, this might still be in the preview, though. So if, if you uh, want to hear the full thing, head on down to patreon.com. The King, look for The Kingless Generation. And for the low proletarian price of three thirty-three a month, uh, you can become a member of The Kingless Generation. You get access to the whole catalog of back episodes. And we have a Discord server where we're always talking about all kinds of really interesting materials to do with... Uh, Relations of production, the history of class struggle, right? Um, we have here a fox shrine. I'm about to give a quick little prayer. For all of you, fellow members of the Kingless Generation, for the love of the land, for the love of the planet, we've got to just love our, our home and love all of the living beings in it. Hope that we can really connect in new ways that we, ways that are truly new, ways that we've only forgotten. But we can remember, we can get back into it, right? Uahike of Maile, of the Red Nation, partly, and, and uh, is he up in Toronto? Is it? Um, has uh, an essay about uh, settler Aloha Aina. Aloha Aina is the, the love of the land in Hawaiian. It's a, it's a core Hawaiian idea. So, i aloha oha aina. Actually, that should be uh, Aloha Oka'aina, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the, the article, the, in Hawaiian is ka. But I had ha in my head because uh, one of the last readings I just did in a class was uh, Kohelet, also known as Ecclesiastes, right? It's traditionally attributed to Solomon, the son of David who sort of experienced all the good things that being born at the top of a class society, the best that class society can provide you. And he nonetheless ended up extremely disillusioned at the end of his life. And, and so traditionally, it's said that he wrote this book, Kohelet, which you don't know kind of what it's doing in the middle of the Hebrew Bible, right? Because... Um, ideas of like, yeah, there's a good God out there who loves everyone and takes care of everyone and you need to follow all his rules and then you'll have a good life and so on. Well, uh, if you've read Kohelet, and you, and you should, it's, it's short actually, you can read it all in one sitting easily. Oh, you hear the bullfrogs calling. I saw a beautiful little lizard coming by. Yeah, so the definite article in Hebrew is ha. I was trying to read some of that in Hebrew. It's really lots of beautiful phrases and memorable lines from that. I wonder if I... I was going to try to... See, I didn't... I chose this format for this episode very deliberately because it was such a complex topic. And... Oh, big bullfrog. This gent is... 
20 centimeters, 30 centimeters long, easily. Just jumped in. I think that was your man that was making the noise a minute ago. There he is. Beautiful, beautiful little guy. I mean, he's, he's quite a unit, all told, when you think about it. There's another one. A whole group of them here by this pond. It's a beautiful pond. The water is clear in places, but cloudy where, cloudy where it should be. They keep this whole area relatively natural, so there's a good-sized area of natural mountainside, and then these, these ponds and all kinds of good flowering plants and things. Last time we were here, I think it was close to cherry blossom season, but I think I deliberately didn't come in cherry blossom season. I avoided that out of uh, some kind of anti-weeb uh, impulse, I think. So yeah, Kohelet, the message is just, you know, um, the best thing in, in your life is just to enjoy connection with your people, become close to the dear, the dear spouse that you have, and uh, let, your, let your hair not, lack not oil, and wear fine white garments. It's kind of the opposite of the man in black, right? Johnny Cash says, I'm the man in black because of all the injustice in the world. Kohelet kind of goes the opposite direction. I'm just going to wear all white. And that's appropriate to do too because one of the things I'm going to discuss today is sort of, I mean, I don't want people coming to this who just want to learn about this topic for the first time. But I'm, so I might not name, I might not use this word in the, in the description at all. I kind of like that. Last time, right, I did the tale of Genji. And I decided not to name the tale of Genji anywhere in the, in the text fields of it. Only the AI will know when it looks to reads it through, transcribes it and so on. Because I don't want Japanologists coming in, uh, really. And I don't want, I definitely don't want any of my... I, I'm not looking forward to the day when this podcast becomes... Uh, sort of known to my colleagues and so on. Not that I have much contact with them anyway, because it doesn't matter. But uh, so this one, we're talking about the, the moment in late antiquity, 622, 622 CE, the Sasanian Empire and the Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantines, were going back and forth, struggling back and forth. At first, there was elements of religious uh, persecution, Zoroastrian state religion on the Persian side, and you have Christianity on the Byzantine side, a very kind of statist Christian ideology there. Uh, but it becomes much more complicated. The Persian ruler, especially Husrau II, Husrau II adopts a very innovative uh, sort of, yeah, I mean, it really is, you know, you don't have, often the Mongol Empire is credited with uh, uh, certain kinds of tolerance or something, right? Like an imperial administration not going with the uh, 
uh, state religion thing. Oh, see here, we get a helicopter too, though. There you go. Not going with uh, state religion being much more decentralized and so on. Well, Husserl doesn't quite do that, but he uh, releases coinage and stuff in certain places that are more Christian, of, with, depicting himself as a Christian ruler. He, he kind of will go back and forth, is happy to sort of be all things to all men, as St. Paul says, right? Uh, and uh, that's a kind of interesting, like, information asymmetry, or like propaganda. Oh, we have a beautiful grasshopper, fat green grasshopper who's fallen dead in the path. I think very recently, and he's getting crawled on by ants. Those ants are gonna make use of him, I think. But uh, poor guy. I hope that wasn't something that would. Well, I hope that was something that would happen normally. You know, every time. I hope that was natural. Mm. So yeah, I've chosen this format because this is the this orality. This condition of orality is, is what we're all going to be in very soon, I think. The techno-transit egalitarianism that I think is the new mode of society that the ruling class is steering us towards. Uh, there's going to be lots of information asymmetry, and I think literacy is being phased out. And so what really happens when you don't have literacy, right? What is... I mean, it's... you. It's a tricky issue. I go back and forth on it, uh, and I want to share that with you. That's one of the main things that this episode is about, because uh, we're going to be right. One of this, this is on the Discord as well. Um, I have to just, you know, I don't have texts in front of me. I'm in a condition of total orality right now, walking down a mountain path, and so uh, you, you'll have to look it up. Uh, I may record. Uh, a section after this, right? Sort of bringing in more concrete information, sitting at a desk later. A wasp. Ooh, nice black wasp coming around. Cool. Lots of different ferns and palm trees. There's a beautiful big pine hanging down over the, the pond. And in every bunch of pine needles, there is a spider web. The spiders are really having a field day on this pine tree. Look at that. I just heard another big bullfrog grunt, honk. They honk, don't they? They really honk. Alright. Oh, a huge ginkgo tree right here. Beautiful. So I'm in a condition of total orality. Uh, and and what, is, what really happens then, right? I mean... This is a very pro-indigenous podcast. I think uh, a lot of the solutions to a lot of our problems are to be found in uh, models of classless societies that have existed in the past, right? When we really understand the origins of the crisis we face today in European colonialism, at least partly, right? And particularly, I mean, you might say Eurasian, you know, to oppose... Uh, the Eurasian model, right? This has been a preview of a premium episode of the Kingless Generation podcast. 
to hear the rest of my little thoughts here about land back in Eurasia in the year 622 CE and following. You can go to patreon.com slash irregnata, that's unruled in Latin, feminine singular, and for the low proletarian price of 3.33 a month, you can have access to the entire catalog of premium episodes, as well as the Discord server where we share all kinds of resources, readings, uh, episode notes, and we discuss current events, and it's a wonderful little community. Uh, on there. Although, of course, the real building of the kingless generation happens with you, IRL, around you and your community. Thanks so much for listening.